Let's do it. All righty, here we go. Matt Chatham with the Real Thing Patriots podcast. Let's dive into this thing. Uh, another happy week if you're a Patriots fan. You got to be pleased with what happened here. Uh, 24-10 victory against the Vikings. Uh, NFC North has had their chance. Uh, the, really, the, the, the Patriots end up going 3-1. and one. They get the super disappointing one against the Lions earlier in the year, but uh, they take on that division's best and knock them around a little bit. So, convincing win against the Packers, convincing win against the the Vikings here, both of those at home, and then the road win comfortably, but made a little less so down the stretch against the Bears, but beating a really good Bears team on the road uh, ends up looking a lot different now. So this is going to be a quick show. I mean, and I, I think I often say that never actually pull it off. I have a tendency to <laughs> talk a lot. This is a podcast. It's about talking, but uh, I'm going to uh, try to s- just fly through this. We're not going to do a play-by-play necessarily, but I do want to hit on some of the high points, uh, some of the stuff that we would have touched on a week ago and whether or not they ended up being true or it played out a little differently than we thought. Uh, just sort of a progress report on where the Patriots sit here now after playing what will be one of the better uh, what better tests, if you want to look at it that way, that they'll that they'll face before they get to the playoffs. So that's a playoff ish uh, playoff ish team. I wouldn't. I'm not exactly certain they're going to make it in there on the NFC side, but it's uh, it's a talented group. Uh, but the Patriots just played a lot better. Uh, really, all sides of the ball. So let's dive into this thing. Um, one of the very other things I like: the Patriots win the toss, they defer. Uh, this thing starts out uh, with uh, the very first play of the game is a swing pass to to, to Dalvin Cook. Now, why is that relevant? Uh, why do I? Why did that catch my attention? Well, because on last week's show, we talked about some of the things that uh, you know that had hurt the Patriots against the Jets, and then I don't know. Actually, maybe it wasn't on this particular podcast. Maybe it was Ness and stuff that I did during the week. But the point was we had, we'd been spending the week highlighting that Dalvin Cook swing passes. Uh, he'd actually had some some big success with that against the Packers the week before. Was the kind of thing that you could point, point back to Corey Grant with uh, you know with with the Jags early in the year uh, to. You know, some of the other games, I don't want to go through each of these, but uh, where we're back production in the passing game had been a thing. And uh, Minnesota eh, doesn't use their guys a lot, but the times they'll go to it, he can really be a deal. And you could see that there was a pretty strong key with how they use the guy. Cook, they don't love to just shove him, you know, just feed him the ball and give him traditional run play stuff. But he was a, hey, let's find a matchup guy and go after. So you kind of had to presume that this uh, linebacking core of the Patriots is bigger, stronger. You know, you might, hey, they have a quick and fast guy that, uh, you know, they don't give them the ball in the traditional much, but maybe they'll swing it to him. Uh, had we had success a week ago. Amazingly enough, not, well, maybe not even a surprise, they go to him right off the bat. <laughs> so literally the first play of the game is one of these quick swing passes. And what I loved about that is just, you know, having, having gone through a lot of different years and weeks or whatever of, uh, of game planning um, in the NFL, I know that these are kind of how these things are put together. You get like a hit sheet that's going to have like the 10 things they do well, and you're going to rep the shit out of them during the, the practice week of this is, these are the concepts we absolutely have to take away. This is the stuff they do best. This is the stuff they do that they're going to look at you and know they're going to try these because you may have had some issues with those in previous games. And, you know, Dalvin Cook on swing passes, Dalvin Cook on quick stuff to the flats, Dalvin Cook on, on angles, like that was going to happen. And it was it was pretty cool to see the Patriots uh, get that as snap one and two guys aggressively uh, head after that thing. So basically they were very, very aware and ready for that. So there was no sort of that pause, that that half a second where you're sort of reading what you're getting uh, that makes you half steps slow, which can be a problem against a quicker, faster guy. 
and that didn't happen. So it was it was sort of like okay, they they've done their scouting report, they they did their film study, they are ready for that route. That's not going to be an issue today, right? So it's good to see them sort of ready to go and 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 again doing it against something that's a sort of strong suit for the other team. So right off the bat, got that out of the way and. You didn't see much more of it again, and sometimes that's that's the the other side of that coin that's that's very 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 important. Uh, you show that you're ready for it, and it may have been an issue for you later if you hadn't scared them out of it. But you played it so well right off the bat, they don't return to it. So uh, going here along the rest of this uh, particular uh, sequence that starts it off, you you do really well against that initial play. Nothing comes of that. There's a two yard run stop, so that's another theme that we talked about heading in. It's really been throughout the year. Uh, stopping them in the traditional run stuff you know the the first and second down runs not having to be fours and fives having to be one twos or threes right and this was a two-yard run stop so you get nothing on the swing to start two-yard run stop now you're in third and eight and then the third element comes in the third thing that we talked about a, a lot uh, more on Nesson again than this show because this last week's show is really just wrapping the jets but talking on my Nesson so show talking on Nesson pregame chat uh, prior to the game Huge thing here, and even some videos that I'd put out during the week, uh, was catching run stuff with both Diggs and Thielen. Now, Diggs and Thielen are, are, are really good downfield uh, pass catchers. They've had a lot of productivity on downfield balls as well. Diggs and posts and fades and things like that, and deep deep stops and stuff like that. Uh, but they also, because of that, earn a lot of off coverage, right? A lot of the defensive backs will start to press and then bail pre-coverage or either in the route or as the play develops bail and give off coverage and because of that they've really they've really chowed at times on on catch and run short stuff little slants little quick hooks you know sit it down quickly as that coverage gets off you and try to fit it in that window and both both Thielen and Diggs are pretty good catch and run guys so you know you got again I'm reiterating here but you go back to the very first thing you got the swing pass that you had to be ready for with Cook you win that you get the direct run right off that you got to win on that because giving up a run against these guys takes puts uh, the play-action thing on, on Kirk Cousins' plate, and then he can maybe go after you a little bit more. They're so much better when they themselves establish the run. Win on that. And then on the third down thing, it's a catch-and-run play of digs, and it's third and eight, and you keep him to six. So it, it's a completion. Just a, it's a nice pass, fits it in there, but you tackle really well and keep it from being more than you know than what would get the conversion or the amount that would get the conversion. So really, it's just three nice early tests about things thematically that should be an issue, you know, something that you're going to have to deal with throughout the game that they pass early. And that's nice, you know. It's sort of like, okay, they. Th- this is why NFL teams practice. This is why we spend all the time watching the film. This is why you kind of do what you do uh, because it's not just talk. It's not just for podcasts like mine or shows that other people are doing. Uh, it's literally, literally what you're doing. You're going back into the dirt. You're finding the stuff underneath your fingernails. And, like, this is the real stuff. And we have to do this. And if we don't defend this, we're going to be screwed. And all this stuff comes down to, like, a yard or two, right? You're wrong on that. Uh, you're a little bit off that catch-and-run play. You don't tackle well there. And, you know, it's a conversion. It's just that extra one or two yards. And, again, here it shows you, too, with the with the digs play, the catch-and-runs end up being a, a six-yard catch on a third and eight. How much different is if that run play prior to that is not a, you know, a two-yard run on second down but a three? or four and rule of the four four gets your conversion but it doesn't seem like much but it's the difference in that thing being converted on the catch and run play the next play so that's why that stuff matters and that's why i hammer it so uh let's let's roll on through this thing real quickly uh one of the things that i liked was the patriots got started well i shouldn't 
say it was all all uh, rainbows. Uh, very first play, Rob Gronkowski has the uh, false start, and I'm thinking in my head, you know, okay, defensively, come out firing, ready to roll, ready to go. And I, I'm just sort of hearing the speech in my head from Coach Belichick. Ah, first play, fuck, and we're off, we're false start right off the bat. Like, that's, you could, you could, I'm sitting up in the media area watching it, and right as he does, like, well, okay, can hear that speech, or I, I know exactly the film session. Come on, Gronk, what the fuck? Come on, Rob, very first fucking play, we're not ready to go, what the fuck are we doing here? I mean, <laughs> you may get that tone even when you win by as much as a two-score win at home against a good team. So it's going to happen. But that was like, you know, again, it was just, it was a play, uh, but it's not necessarily an omen because that ends up being a really good offensive drive for these guys. They get themselves back uh, to third and two. So you're backed up first and 15. uh, I believe it was an Edelman catch of some sort that got them sort of a chunk that made third more manageable here. But on third and two, Minnesota blows coverage, and, and, and Hogan's wide open in the flat. Now, I had uh, put something on Twitter as I was watching this live from from the stadium there uh, that I thought that there was some sort of uh, accommodating Gronk thing that helped get Hogan open. I was wrong in that after now reviewing the, the film. Um, they were doing Gronk a little bit different. Harrison Smith, I, I believe it was. I'm watching TV copy here now, folks. Uh, the All-22 doesn't come out until tomorrow on Tuesday. But um, there was some sort of safety account uh for Gronk, who was to the bottom of your screen. So they are rolling to him somehow, some way. It looks like it's topped or he's getting half safety and then he's getting coverage player over him. But it's not as if the roll happened there and then left them short up at the top to, to where Hogan got the ball. That wasn't the case. Uh, they had three by one. Hogan was uh, Hogan was in sort of almost like a hip position where the wide receiver almost looks like he's the second tight end, like up, up huddled there kind of close to the tackle. He just ran right to the flat and uh, they didn't cover him. I don't know why. So not really going to spend much time on that other than say, hey, maybe Minnesota themselves weren't really ready to go because it was just straight-up coverage bust. It's not as if Josh drew up some cool scheme, and I put some of those out on Twitter. I like to show it where the scheme is neat and, and kind of has a an effect on the defense and mentally how could they possibly account for this and what a great, you know, chess match move. This wasn't as, uh, it wasn't that confusing, and Minnesota blew it. I don't know why. So anyway, Hogan gets a, a big completion off the bat, ends up being a big third and two. Um, then you get this crack flat to Patterson. So, uh, Patterson didn't, I think only put like eight offensive snaps, something like that, but those bright highlighter shoes he had on, he still managed to make several plays, a couple nice returns, uh, a couple big plays, uh, and then the reps, he get him again, I would advocate for sending him out there maybe twice that, but they're doing what they're doing. And he's a really nice piece of the roster. You're going to understand Cordero Patterson's value at the end of the year, not by staring back at his box score and being happy or sad on how many of whatever's he had. It's more just that he's this, you know, unique little piece that they use occasionally. Not every series, but they throw him in, and it doesn't have to be a target to him anymore. He blocks really well downfield. Uh, when he gets in, if they decide to do one of the scheme things with him, good Lord, you can see his speed. And this is one of those instances. So when I say crack flat, so he's a wide receiver, extended outside the numbers. It'll look If you're watching on TV, it's at the top of your screen. He's he's motioning down towards the formation. And you know at the moment when you clear another receiver and start to motion in, it, it may look like you're about to run straight up the seam or maybe a crossing route, something like that. What he does is start to block. He actually blocks down in outside linebacker D and whoever that is. Uh, as if, you know, and that's why I call it crack. So when you come from the outside to the end, you're blocking a crack block. Uh, you're cracking down. But 
if you're covering that guy in that moment, this is sort of a test of your concentration because you see him sort of blocking down. Guys that are blocking down, you don't think that's going to be the pass target. So sometimes people's, you know, a defender's eyes will come off the guy because they see him blocking, look to the backfield to see what Brady's doing, or look at other receivers for other route combinations. Like, you know, it's it's tough to fight that little psychological thing that says he's out of this now, he's done. He starts to crack, and then it's sort of faking the block, really, and then he zips right back out to the flat. So crack, ha, 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 I'm blocking, no, I'm not and then flat and they get it to Patterson and then he's off and running and he explodes and the dude's quick and he's really good at football so I kind of snarkily made that tweet during the game but I think the thing that really jumps out to me is and I try to think of this like a defensive player if that dude's out there and he gets the ball I don't give a shit what the scheme is, how often they target him, blah, 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 blah. If you're playing defense and you see that guy over there and the offense is willing to go to him, he's a problem. He's a serious freaking problem if he's got the ball in his hands. Now, they're not, they're not going to put the offense around this guy. He's not going to be targeted 10 times. He's, he's not even getting a you know 20 reps. So he's just this kind of extra little toy that they use. And he's a fun guy. And he's you know he's a, he's a good quote. Uh, he seems like a guy that the guys love in the, in the locker room. He's not getting a lot of playing time, but, man, he has a huge huge effect on the game when he is used. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he personally would love to just play more, but I think he's going to walk away from the season. If he plays 10 reps every week and makes two plays each week and then does well in the return game, thinking it was a resounding success. You know, it's just he helped. He absolutely helped. So you got to feel good about that guy being on your team, and he's fun. Get, him, get the ball in his hands and highlights are coming kind of thing. So uh, the next thing on this this uh, this particular drive was the, the throw to Burkhead after the fake to Burkhead. Now, I'm just going to say that, and I don't spend as much time on this as I did in Twitter. But again, I'm at Chatham58. If you're listening to the show, you probably do follow me on Twitter. But if you didn't happen to catch it, maybe go back and check my Twitter feed and it's more... It, this is a visual explanation you would need better than I can do on a podcast. But basically what it is, is as Burkhead is in the backfield with, with James White. We've seen this in the years past. We've seen this with well, it was Deion Lewis in both James or Burkhead some last year as well. Uh, the the willingness to put two guys that could possibly catch the bat, pass or two guys that could possibly run the ball in the backfield at the same time. And what they did is they overloaded one zone. So they sent both guys uh, and one one after the fake to Burkhead into the zone. Uh, and because they were getting a particular coverage in cover four, there's nobody there left to cover Burkhead. You may be watching at home, you may be watching it live like I was, or you're watching it live as well, and a lot of fans there go to this game. But you may have said, gosh, why aren't they covering Burkhead? It was because it was sending two people into the exact same zone where there's only one guy to cover him there. So it's not something I can spend a lot of time here on a, on a, on a podcast because I don't want to confuse you. I think you'll get a better visual if you go back to my Twitter feed and check that out. Uh, but cool little concept there anyway. It's a beater by Josh McDaniels. It's a beater by Brady if, if, if by chance he's the one that's sort of sending that route concept to it because of the coverage he saw. Saw cover four, knew he was short on the low, low zone players. Send two guys over that way. It's the perfect call for the D they got. Now you get the reverse to Julian. Uh, the reason I want to highlight this particular play just a little bit is because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a run play for Jules. It ends up being a big play, but what was kind of quirky and unique on that one is you've got Devlin in the game, so that usually makes uh, two backs. You know, he's the fullback, but he counts as a back. And only one tight end, that means two wide receivers are on the field. So uh, Gronk is actually removed from the formation, flex, so he looks more like a wide receiver or whatever. But they had an inline tight end. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, here did he come from? It was Devlin, James Devlin aligned at tight end. And we, we I think we, uh, I think we were sort of uh, making him a hypothetical tight end a week or two ago when we were wondering if, with Dwayne Allen out, if they could possibly, you know, hey, hey James is 260, James is 6'3", or whatever he is, and 
that's kind of tight in size. He could easily stick his hand down. Well, they did it, and, and it worked. It ended up being a big play. Why do I think it worked? Uh, because he, he sort of works as a decoy. He's aligned as a tight end to Brady's right. Julian's uh, motion, and, and Gronk is extended to the other side. So you've kind of got the two air quote tight ends opposite one another. But you could tell the backs. So th- the reason this is going to screw up a defensive player is because when you go into the huddle, you have, you're told what the personnel group was. And in this situation, you're told two backs. Like the fullback is one of those backs. Well, when the fullback's aligning as tight end, is he a tight end or is he a back? Like that, that may screw up the count. May or may not. I mean, if they're in the zone, doesn't matter. But if it's a man and they're having some sort of confusion about call him a tight end, call him a back, who should take him, should the safety or the backers, whatever, it could potentially screw you up. Doesn't on this case, but it, but what it does is is it does give you a little run attention to where, oh, is that going to be the point of attack? Is a run, if it happens, going to go right behind that guy? There's a reason to put the big old fullback right alongside the tackle. But then if your run focus is there and they're running a reverse in the other direction, it's sort of like, hey, build a part of a formation they've not seen before and then actually have a reverse go away from that. So any extra attention you may have gotten from saying, oh, oh you know, red flag, what, what is that, what is that? You know, something new, something new, something going on here. And as your attention's there, well, the play's actually going the other direction. So, And Devlin doesn't have to make, make any great block. He's on the backside. It's not really about that. But the nice thing you get is you get Gronk extended as a wide receiver to where the reverse is going to go. So you get this big, giant guy out in space who can block the shit out of DB. So he ends up being sort of the lead blocker on Julian. Julian gets a big reverse run, um, and the way this thing works is it's jet motion. I think again, so I, I think it's you know it's not like a traditional reverse. It's him hitting it on the move and Brady turning, handing it to him. And why that's tough is because they were playing uh, the outside linebacker. I think is Anthony Barr uh, for the Vikings uh, to the side that the reverse is coming to. So basically, it's a race. As a linebacker, you're there in a standstill, and Julian's catching out of the run. And you're going to be the edge, but you're the edge from the off the ball. So there's going to be some, you know, forward vertical space or whatever between the two of you, five, six, seven yards, whatever it is. But then he's got a lateral head start because he's on the move. Are you? And that's Anthony Barr is one of the quicker, more athletic uh, linebackers out there, big but can really move. And Jules outruns him in part because you get that head start. So cool little play design there. A lot of stuff going on, but you know this was a this was a heady first half for the Patriots. There was a lot of a lot of cool little twerks there or quirks twerks quirks there. So James Devlin next gets the plunge for the touchdown, um, and that was an example. And he gets two of them on the game. I think y'all obviously know that if you checked it out. The quirk there is they've kind of gone away from, and they've hit their head on the wall a few times here with trying Sony Michelle or, or trying James and draws or something like that at moments where they want to run the football down really low like that. Hey, you know, the quarterback is a turn and, you know, extend the ball back to the seven-yard depth back thing. And that play takes a full count longer than if you just quick turn and hand it to the fullback. He's already in the line. He's two or three yards short, three or four yards short or whatever from the, the depth of the back. And he's big and heavy and shit, heavy as shit. And it's like, you know, it's like it's like eighties, nineties football, even early two thousand stuff that I'm used to. It's like that's actually really hard because if he's that heavy and he's that quick and he has pretty good eyes, Devlin's got a better chance of scoring in those situations, even when you're packing it in, than does a back. So that's one way to get in, and they obviously made that work twice. The one red zone they stopped that didn't work for them. They didn't go to it, so um, they didn't go to direct run with Michelle or anything else like that. We'll talk about exactly what that was later, but uh, worked twice. That was a good uh, red zone finish, and we know from a week ago with the Jets, they were only one for three down there in the red zone. So it remains an issue. It ends up being points that are on the board here that they didn't convert on that would have made this even less competitive. And uh, But, yeah, at least in this instance, going to the fullback worked really well for them. We'll see if we get more of those fullback runs later. 
Uh, Patriots defense out there now, uh, Hightower and Butler. Now, Hightower we often see as occasionally an off-the-ball, or I'm sorry, occasionally as an edge rusher in sub. Uh, more often an off-the-ball linebacker as a middle linebacker. It's kind of his main job in like regular defensive stuff, but then when it's sub, which is nickel or dime, where you bring on some extra defensive backs and some of the linebackers come out of the game, his role's kind of been all over the place. I can't, I wouldn't even want to characterize it as one thing. He can play on the edge in the middle, whatever it was, or be one of the off-the-ball linebackers. In this particular situation, Hightower and Adam Butler are inside working off each other, doing a t- little two-man two man game. Hightower's doing it from standing, so he's sort of hitting into the guard, and then Butler's getting in the gap, and then Hightower's wrapping around him. And as Hightower wraps, uh, the other guard comes off of uh, the basically they remove one half of the double from Adam Butler, and that allows Butler to squeeze through. So cool little thing there, a two-man game with a guy that doesn't often game on the inside. Uh, usually it's maybe more like Trey Flowers with his hand down, gaming alongside someone else there or something like that. Uh, but the, in this instance, it's uh, it's the stand-up linebacker. So two-man game. When Hightower does his twist, it sort of goats one of the uh, one of the other linemen to come off of Butler. So then Butler's basically free to his right half, and he shoots a gap, hits it, makes the tackle, and gets a big sack. So a uh, little new thing, not not entirely new. It's as if we'd never seen Hightower rush on the inside. He has some, but a little wrinkle that hasn't been as recent. Let's put it that way. So a two-man game on the inside works for them there. Gets the big sack. And then, uh, and, and, and in fairness, too, this is one of those situations where uh, Trey Flowers gets a win right off the left edge. He's working against a right tackle, uh, beats him with hands, real nice, quick move, shoots, shoots to the outside, gets the hand down. He's free. It's a win, but Butler's already uh, sort of on that sack, but you know, I don't think they'll give Trey a half, but it was a good example of, man, he won two, but he's not going to get the stat kind of thing. Um, a 40, 48 yard miss here by their kicker, uh, by Bailey for the Vikings and for whatever stock you put in it, he missed from 48 and Guskowski missed from the same distance on the day. And neither of them looked very close. Um, and I, again, in the stadium wasn't super windy yesterday. It was wet as hell. Uh, leading into it, but but it had stopped raining by game time. Um, you know, I don't like kicking in the wet. I don't like running in a wet field. Uh, apparently, neither of these guys particularly cared for kicking in it either, but they both missed badly, so kicks that both of them often make. So, don't know if the conditions were a thing, and maybe each of them has a different reason for why they went wi- widely off, but uh, both did, for whatever reason, that for whatever stock you put in that. Gaskowski's been phenomenal this year, but... Uh, did miss one on the day. Bailey missed one bad here on the day as well. Patriots offense is back up again. This is uh, Brady's step-up scramble where he gets his 1,000 yards. I-, I love seeing it put the sort of story aside of him finally getting a 1,000 yards and that little mathematical quirk. But that happens, yes, cool, whatever, if, that's, if that gets you hot. But the thing that uh, I like about it is that I really think Tom needs to continue to do this, especially since he controls the contact he's going to get. Because when, he's, when he gets the... He did this quick, by the way, folks. He's not. He didn't like sit in the pocket for three and a half to four and a half seconds, and then decide to step, 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 slide. Oh shoot! There's five yards here. I'll run forward. It was more back foot hits. Rush clears me. I'm going. And teams do not respect Tom Brady for this. And, and again, this is not like some future key for the these final four weeks or anything. He needs to be doing a ton of in the playoffs. I just think that if he steals, he can steal a conversion. If he, he could steal two conversions a game. I think I can safely say that there are so many times where the, the low hole or low flat play or low hook players, the inside linebackers or safety that are down, 
they sag eight to ten yards off. I mean, more than eight, ten, ten, twelve. They're like beyond the sticks. They're just not going to defend the low area for quarterback step ups like most defenses often do. They just don't respect Tom that way. And obviously, they're not they're not, they're not uh, shadowing him with one of the rushers or anything like that. So there's there's often these opportunities. Like Tom took it right there. It's like you know what, all four man rush. Everyone took an edge. Everyone stepped past me. Fuck it. I am just going to run forward. And there's a free six to get there. And, and in these moments where you're sitting back there in third and four and wondering what's he's gonna, what he's going to do and is it going to be an Edelman jerk route? Is it going to be a Hogan end cut? Is it going to be a Josh Gordon slant? Is it going to be a target to Gronk at a hook route? You know, all those things going through my head. And I'm sitting here watching fucking stamp. Just step up and take that five. Easier than shit for me to say here. I'm, I'm a jackass for saying my French. Just do it this way, Tom. But I, I'm just I'm being a little bit facetious. But I'm also saying, hey, he's a competitor. Um, as long as he can keep himself safe and do that. In other words, not you know take unnecessary hits. I'm not asking him to go dive over the 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 bound, or the, the goal or whatever the yard marker there to, to get these first downs and be taking shots. It's not that. It's just in these moments where it's so open because they're just not respecting you. Bring the respect back. A couple times a game, did it there, gets the little quirky record, but also showed that, man, that's a way you got to at least, he's still a professional football player. You still have to respect him a little bit and his ability to take it down and get the conversion he did there, and it helped, it helped the team. Um, now, on the same drive, that's Edelman's drop, uh, would have been a conversion on the sticks, well thrown ball, just took his concentration off it. It's kind of one I count as a drive with no points at the end of it that was sort of actually pretty good drive and it just ends up being a drop so that happens unfortunately in professional football missed opportunity there though for some points that would have been it's not as if everyone was covered the play was dead play was executed pretty well right up until the the catching of the thing Patriots D next time out is the Hightower screenplay. Awesome. Um, go back and check out that highlight if you want to. Uh, again, it's not going to work as good here as sort of an, an audio thing. But basically, Hightower does a nice job of reading the screen. Uh, whenever you have blockers out in front of you as a linebacker and you're reading a screen, you usually have a choice to make. Backdoor, which means you can kind of go back towards the middle where the center would be. Go backdoor. Or they say go over the top. Over the top means continue out to the sideline over the top of the blocker to try to turn it back into other people in pursuit. A lot of times you see uh, linebackers make the error of going backdoor and not making the play because backdoor is easier. You know, you don't have to run as far. Uh, if you can kind of, uh, I don't know, lure the, 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 the blocker up the field and cut behind them, it's easy. Everyone looks like they've beaten them. It's in part because... The lineman kind of knows if you go back door, you have a really hard chance of actually making the play. But but anyway, Hightower does not go for that. Hightower goes over the top of the block. The blocker tries to cut him. He beats the cut, runs through the cut, essentially, and then makes this negative uh, negative tackle. So big-time play for him. Hightower had a nice play on the day over – or a nice day uh, over there all overall, excuse me. Uh, it's still early, man. I've only got a cup of coffee in here, and I'm kind of um, – Gumball mouth. So, so <laughs> apologies there. But uh, ends up being another D stop there. So nothing comes of that. A defense is playing really well. A lot of these early drives or, or four play drives, six play drives. You know, we're not getting to double digits with stops where it's the bend but don't break stuff. This is, these are just stops. These are real well executed series, getting stops early, getting them to third and uncomfortables, and then executing plays and get off. This is a really, really overall. Uh, Good day of work by the Patriots defense against an offense where they're holding them about 14 points, more than 14 points, more than two scores under their actual normal scoring average. Uh, and I made the little, again, reference you back to my Twitter feed a lot today, but uh, I made the little snarky thing about who else the Vikings have played this year uh, on the road. 
and they've gone to the Packers, they've gone to the Bears, they've gone to the Jets. I know you don't feel strongly about them, but they've gone to a, a number of other good teams, the Rams, uh, the Philly, the Eagles. They've gone there and scored many more points than they did against the Patriots. So uh, those are the teams with all the big names, you know, on defense, and the Patriots' defense played much, much better. It's factual. I mean, do with it as you will. But if you think the Patriots' defense sucks, you're probably not listening to the show anyway. But uh, it's just not factual. They're, do- they're they're in the mix here, and they've had some really nice performances, and they deserve a tip of the cap for them. Uh, so Patriots' toes back up here now. This is the one with a little uh, James White touch pass, uh, and then he has the big screen. It was kind of a real James White-heavy series. Uh, but this one does end. They sort of march down the field. Everything is just sort of flying left, right, and left. And the other, you know, they're really mixing it up. Uh, a lot of screens and the jet stuff and angle routes and dump. I was just, it was, it was very diverse uh, way to get down there, and it was quick. And it's like, ah, oh, you're here, and then the red zone stall. And this is probably this is a points negative. I think you get for for the day, you end up seeing the twenty four ten, and you're 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 literally a yard uh, from this being a twenty eight ten day, and you know. You're being lauded as opposed to you know, a little bit more uncomfortable later, uh, or at least the way the score shakes out. It looks like you're not a. It looks like you're maybe a step back offense. You know the Patriots are high twenties. They're a, just under a tick under thirty kind of offense, and this leaves four points there out there that you're you're a yard from that fourth. You know those four extra points, and that's why stats can sometimes suck because they don't necessarily tell the story. I mean, well, the whole this is telling the whole story that they've had red zone stalls and those red zone stalls have cost them points, but they move the ball really well on the day. Another day of close to 500 yards of offense, but just the 24 points. It, it's a comfortable win. You, you feel good about that, but I'm sure offensively in the offensive meeting room, they're saying, dang, we're so close to just lighting this thing up. Um, uh, we need to finish these drives off. But the way the red zone stall goes down, they get first and goal. They're at the seven. They're just going to one yard run to Tony Michelle. Uh, so they get stuffed pretty good on first down. Maybe that scares them out of the run stuff. They get a short pass here to Edelman for five yards. It gets them down very near the goal line. Now they're at the one-yard line, and they go with an incompletion in the crossing route to Jules. Um, and in my view, just the one yard to go, and it was a long one. It was maybe one in a foot or something because a little bit outside the yard line. You know, they just plowed right through with Devlin earlier. Maybe the fact that they got stuffed on first down with Michelle dissuaded him from even trying run, but movement run, you know, shifts, motion, guys on the move. I don't know. I just still feel like you get down that low. I don't love having to run crossing routes over the middle to get one yard um, and ends up being an incompletion. They aren't able to convert. So it's, you know, on a day that was extremely positive and sort of the overall couple negatives here are going to be uh, the defense. We're going to come up here in just a second, uh, but that red zone stall, because that red zone stall is, is one yard that's worth four points. So, Patriots defense, they force another punt after this. Patriots O goes again now. And this, again, would be the other negative on the day, I guess, if you're looking at the Patriots um, uh, for sort of their, their, you know, you want to do ledger. Like, the good stuff on the left is, is, is much heavier. There's a couple on the right that are negative. This would be one of those. The offense has got the ball backed up a little bit. Uh, they're going to be coming up here on the two-minute uh, uh, two minute break there. Uh, two minute warning. So, they they want to, they, basically, it's it's kind of like four minutes off, four minute offense, although technically we're not, at, you know, it's not actually four minutes, but it's that same idea. Um, they need at least a single conversion to get past the two-minute mark to start to pull time off the clock. Maybe it doesn't have to be a full length of the field drive. It can just even be, you know, 30-ish yards or so to change field position a little bit, get a deep punt if, if you're not getting points, back them up at a point where they can't go the full length of the field in 60. Uh, but it's a failure. So they they end up uh, 
This you'll recall this is the play where it appeared that they had got the conversion, and this whole story I'm telling would have would have gone away, uh, where they get the little crossing route to Gronk. Uh, he's right up against the line. I actually think they got the call right. His right arm doesn't appear to go past the stick, so it's sort of. Um, it's one of the ones that I saw people on Twitter was pointing to, man, Gronk just doesn't look as same, the same. And, you know, he's not run, you know, he's being tackled and not necessarily falling forward, just kind of falling down. He's still to me in, in full disclosure is glowing on articles I wrote on him last week for the athletic as of the past catcher. He does not look the same right now. I mean, he's clearly dealing something. I don't know if it's the back. I don't know what it is. We know he took a shot in game with his thigh knee area again he struggled with it. I was sitting there with uh, my partner at, at Ness and Jemai Webster and I were sitting watching the game and uh, up in the box and we had the guy, you know, had the, the uh, binoculars out and the way Gronk responded after he got hit. I mean, he came up super ginger, comes out for a play, comes back. He's tough as shit. We know that he's back in the game. He He's going to fight through this. They put him in essentially to block at that point. Cause you know, you've gotten his leg banged up. He already wasn't moving as he normally does necessarily um and, and even in this banged up state the guy's still going to catch a few passes he's still going to block really well at the point of attack he pass protected a lot during the day but it was really a feeling of a day of decoy and you know maybe we're in a situation where he that's going to be the new role and that's completely okay um so i, I don't know I, i'm not trying to sort of rain on it i love that that guy's on the team i think he's an awesome spirit for the team i think he still does a ton of good things i mean those are all embodied in that column from a week ago all the different things he's doing i don't think this was as good as a week he's had it certainly wasn't as good as the jets week he gets the two penalties um he had a holding penalty later on he had the the offsides penalty and because he got banged up in game, I think it limited some of his effectiveness. And they just said, hey, you're going to be a locker for us today. And he did a great job blocking. I mean, Brady's kept clean virtually throughout this thing. And Gronk's a big part of that. Uh, point of attack, the running game gets 170 yards or whatever on the ground. Gronk's obviously a huge part of that as well. But he gets three catches. Uh, they, Brady missed him. Uh, Gronk had himself open on a nice, would have been a big conversion there in the second half. And he threw it a little bit too far away into the to the outside, back towards his own sideline from Gronk. And Gronk himself, Gronk was open. So Gronk ran a good route, ran, got open, and they weren't able to, to connect. So I think there could be more yards there to clean up the box score to make it feel a little better, but it wasn't his best day of work. Um, and I think that's at least in the passing game. And I think I think what gets affected most when he gets banged up is himself as a, as a pass catcher. And that's I think that, that trend is continuing on. And now it's two weeks of tape in a row. I don't know. Miami may not choose to give him as much coverage attention and then as or if his body begins to feel a little more healthy maybe they send more balls his way uh, as the coverage around him relaxes because he's not been a focus of the offense that way and that'll benefit the team overall as well so we'll keep an eye on it or obviously cheering for his health he's played through so much in his career um, you know just hope that he still continues to have fun and having a good time even though the balls aren't coming to him as much He's still a, a big and a very important presence for that offense, even though he's not catching stuff, um, catching a lot of stuff right now. So moving on here, um, you have the Patriots D. They forced another punt. Good for them. Oh, I'm sorry. This was the – I should I should have gone back to the Gronk play and finished that off. So Gronk, they lose the challenge. They go back and check. And, oh, yep, no, it gets reversed. It's not a first down. And then on third and one, they do the direct snap to James White. That's kind of probably the one regrettable call of the day, I would say. Uh, well, one of a few uh, for Josh, who dialed, you know, dialed up a pretty good day of work. 
football. And on this third and one, they do the, the direct snap. It, there's too much sideways element to me for that, especially with a player like James who's not going to power through uh, contact necessarily. He's a smaller, quicker, make you miss kind of guy, but you only need one yard and you hate the sideways stuff where a smaller guy, if he's moving sideways, is a little easier to tackle that way and not have fall forward sort of action. So they get him down, ends up being a regrettable thing. They have to punt. And then this is the big, uh, you know, touchdown drive. It's the only touchdown drive for the Vikings on the day. And it's a drive that if you get that conversion, either the Gronk leaning a little bit more and getting that half a yard or either, um, or either James White or some other play, uh, converting that one-yard thing there. Really, sort of the story of the game for the Patriots comes down to, to two plays where they didn't get a yard. The the goal line, uh, I mean, not the story of the game. The story of the game was them winning uh, big. But I'm saying what would have made this even more of a blowout feel was really two separate plays at two different times where they didn't get a yard. Um Whatever stock you put in that. It's just basically the team, the difference in them being great, like, you know, top of the league right now, and another just very good feeling kind of game. Again, I think there's a ton here to build on, and we'll continue to look at that. But, um, you know, it's that kind of year where you kind of got to look at all the little edges and, and, and sort of tune up the things you're not doing perfectly. But look at, by and large, it's it's mostly good. Here we're going through here. Uh, Patriots defense is, is now back out there. Um, and, well, the touchdown that we referenced, we know this is the one two-minute touchdown. They pretty much walked down the field. This is the one bad defensive drive of the day for the Patriots. Only time they gave up a score, so obviously that's, that's sort of self-evident. But there's the big play to Diggs. There's an awesome catch by Kyle Rudolph. Real tight coverage there. Just the big, big 6-6 six, six body. Extends, makes that play. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm 6'4", I'm 6'5". Fuck, I'm a I'm over two sixty now, but uh, you know I'm I'm a pretty big dude myself, and I saw Kyle Rudolph in the hallway, uh, just you know chatting with some friends. I have an old buddy who, who used to play for the Vikings that works for the team now. I'm out there chit-chatting, and I saw Rudolph go by. I thought it was a damn, I thought it was like an offensive tackle or something. <laughs> I just remember remarking to him and and watching the guys like, man, that's a bit. I'm not granted they're on they're on cleats, so they they it makes you look a little taller than you are, but. He's a big ass tight end. And anyway, I'll go back to this. So the the reason I brought him up is Kyle Rudolph is uh, you know great length, as tall as he is, and he also is going to be a long arm dude. Uh, you're going to you're going to kind of understand when a guy like Chung, who's not nearly as big and long, can be right all over a route like that. But uh, Rudolph is, is is making that conversion. Didn't end up having a big day on the day overall, so they held that guy under control. But uh, awesome catch here there or there by by him on. On the Vikings, one big offensive series of the day. Uh, Thielen splits the t- twins. So, you know, this doesn't often happen where you get to be involved in a double with your brother. Uh, but Thielen does a great job of running through it and then runs away from the safety who is Devin. So Devin's the inside. He's high and inside. And Jason's low and outside. And Thielen splits it and runs back to the outside over the top. Devin's never going to get to that. It's more. This is more Jason needed to play better and be carry it from the from the low and outside and, and keep that from happening but awesome route by Thielen not great work there in the double but you know I'm, I'm if I'm gonna make a negative comment about them on that one and they earned it on that particular drive the rest of the day good god they were they were exceptional what a great day by Jason McCourty overall was really locked down in a lot of his man on sequences either with with Diggs or Thielen uh just really really good day by him what a great pickup that has been um, Thielen, Diggs, both of them having sort of down production days for what they usually do. And the big factor here was, you know, JC Jackson able to take on, uh, you know, Robinson or Treadwell or whoever it was as the third that was in the game. And they played a lot of extra, say, extra defensive back stuff. Jason held, held, holding up well, playing great. Gilmore doing a great job as he always does. 
and the safeties being active on the back end, and then J.C. Jackson, the young dude, getting in and playing really well. Even Jonathan Jones has a pick. I mean, it was just a, a really good day for the guys that play on the back end. Now, just we're in the halftime here. It's 10-7. It's a little close. It feels like the Patriots just dominate the first half. When you look up and the scoreboard, it isn't that. So the score is what the score is. They left four out there and then gave up one with some, you know, two bad situational uh, things by the Patriots, which is usually where they ace uh, in the first half that made the scoreboard tighter than the action had actually felt. So leave four on the field, also miss a field goal. Uh, so that's seven points, and uh, you know, and then give up a two-minute drive. It's it's one thing that you even allowed the drive to happen. Two-minute drive shouldn't even happen. It doesn't even wouldn't been pay points for the Patriots. Uh, you just have to get out of that, uh, get beyond the two-minute mark, run the clock out, punt. No way that they're they're able to go that length, but you do. So there's a couple little swings there, and that that just really uh, the reason I I spend a decent amount of time on that is just to hammer that the coach Belichick has a good amount of ammunition uh, of stuff to talk about that they need to be better on. Um, you know, it's not, you know, Hey, you win the 14 point game. It's a big game at home, but he'll still have plenty of stuff. He'll be wanting to tune up. But in that second half, they rediscovered Josh Gordon. Thank goodness. He was completely not a part of the first half. Uh, other, other outlets, other, you know, you can read anywhere you want or talk to anything today. And a lot of it's about where was Josh Gordon in the first half and Holy crap, they went to him and now he's the best. And, and you know, he was, he, he, he really provided a spark. It's so good that he's on that roster because they turned back to him and it was an absolute mismatch in a few of those does a great job and and run after the catch and and it was a big factor in sort of getting that offense back on track when it's lost its way a little bit when with at least converting these things and then in the second half Jonathan Jones has a pick Deron Harmon has a pick defense continues to play at a real high level and it's just shut down city so ends up being one of the better defensive performances on the season for the Patriots offensively efficient per usual uh, miss out on a red zone opportunity, but uh, the the running game, like I think I said earlier at some point in the show, 170 ish, something like that, uh, high 30s carry number. So they were willing to stick with it, um, although that did not end up in scores. Sony Michelle ends up being pretty pretty consistent, pretty efficient throughout the day. They used Burkhead some, they used White some, really kind of a spread around kind of day. The kind of days you love to see. Even Cordell Patterson gets involved there some. Hogan doesn't have a huge day, but has some plays and, and contributes, and he's always blocking well on the outside and won a lot of these break. Gronk just with the three catches. Brady with an overall efficient day. Doesn't make the one hiccup late uh, and throws the, the bad pick late, and, which doesn't end up hurting him. Defense comes right back out and gets a stop, I believe. Uh, but overall for Tommy, a 300-yard day, mostly good stuff. And again, it's sort of survive and advance. It feels kind of like one of those ho-hum games. Uh, where, you know, just kind of kick a team, team comes in, fired up, big storyline, kick them away, move on to the next thing. One of those games. So hope you did enjoy the show. Continue to share this around and let people know about that Real Thing Patriots podcast. Been loving the audience numbers we've gotten this year, but it's growing. So you guys, hopefully, uh, it, well, it appears you're enjoying it, and, and I like that. Uh, so I'll continue to do these morning after researches of morning pots of coffee and trying to make it back through the film a second time. Uh, another time, a first time, I guess, but uh, after watching it live and taking any notes, giving back to you so you kind of got this stuff to watch and listen to on a Monday and maybe your Tuesday so that you head into Wednesday and you got a little better sense of perspective and context for what just happened as we start talking about the next one, which will be the Dolphins. So they got to go down to that house of horrors. And, uh, actually, that that house of horrors and horrors, I, I, I didn't mean to sort of fudge that, but it is Miami, so let your imaginations run wild. Uh, anyhow, thanks once again for listening to the Real Thing Patriots podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. That was your show. 
Enjoy the week. Go Pats. Talk to you another time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.